This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Cork today, be careful if you're out and about driving or if you do decide to go out for a walk, even though with the way the weather forecast is, you're better off probably staying indoors. But if you're out driving, be careful because there is an amount of debris on the road and there's wheelie bins flying all over the place and there's even reports of some trees down. So you do need to drive with uh, extreme care. Sadie and John Paul are taking your calls this morning at 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us, you can text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103 but I want to start with uh, a new story that we're carrying today and this is to do with the Garda Síochána Ombudsman Commission GSOC. They're investigating an incident that happened in Mallow last evening in which a single shot was fired from a Garda firearm. Our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran has more on this story and she joins me. Good morning to you Fiona. Good morning Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome. And what, what is believed to have happened yesterday evening in Mallow? Yes, we know that at around half eight at Spa on the Mitchellstown Road in Mallow, there was an incident and Gardaí confirmed in a press statement last... Hello? Yeah, you're okay. I can hear you. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Yeah, perfect. Okay. Gardaí confirmed in a press statement last night that um, a man had been injured in this incident and that a single shot had been discharged from a Gardaí firearm um, at this incident at half eight at the spa um, in Mallow last night. And they also confirmed that the Gardaí Siakana Ombudsman Commissioner GSOC had arrived at the scene and were going to be conducting an investigation into what happened and they also confirmed in that statement that two men had been arrested in connection with drug trafficking legislation now um that's all they said in the statement but what we understand this morning um is that the guardy um that during this incident that this man was injured and that he was later taken to cork university hospital with an injury to his arm but it's not believed to be a serious injury and he would be questioned by Gardaí. And there was another man in the car. It was black Volkswagen Golf. And people would have seen from the photographs that were circulating on social media last night, they would have seen this very dramatic image of this black Volkswagen car um, parked on the side of the road, the door open and a man lying on the ground. Um, now, it's, it still remains unclear why the Garda Armed Response Unit were at this checkpoint with Gardaí. And what we understand from initial reports is that this car had been requested to stop and it didn't stop and um, it was driving towards an, unar- an unarmed member of the Garda Siakana and um, they, uh, but it, they, they haven't actually confirmed to us yet why the armed response units were there. Now, when Gardaí searched the car, they did find a quantity of a white substance, which they believe was either heroin or cocaine, and that has been sent for analysis. So it, it's quite possible that they were doing a drugs checkpoint and that they had been um, looking for these two men. But again, that has to be confirmed. We're still waiting for details on why the Garda armed response unit was there last night at this checkpoint. Because it would be unusual to have the armed response unit at a normal checkpoint. 
Yeah, like the Garda Armed Response Unit, you see them around quite a lot around the city and stuff, but for them to be at a Garda checkpoint in itself would be unusual. It's not completely out of the ordinary, but it's not something that we'd see on a regular day-to-day -day basis. Um, but again, um, the GSOC now have launched an investigation. Garda are also investigating the incident, and they will be questioning the two men who were in that car, and they'll be questioning the Garda who were present at the scene, um, along with the with the guard who discharged that firearm and um, they uh, that will all form part of the investigation and as we get details on that we'll be able to bring it to you later on in the okay. day. And that, that is the normal turn of events that GSOC get involved whenever there's a guard the firearm shot, isn't it? It is, yeah, 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 yeah. it is, yeah. And uh, they did arrive down at the scene last night um, so they began their investigation fairly early on yesterday. Okay. All right. And just before we let you go, now, I know we'll be playing your frontline diary a little bit later on in the programme. But we also have a, a mm -hmm. piece. I mean, you went to the farmers market in in Mahon Point yesterday. Was it? Was it? Was everyone <laughs> delighted to be back? They were. It was. Um, you know, I went over there yesterday, and you know, it it was very well laid out. It has to be said. Now, didn't have the full amount of stalls that they normally have. They normally have about fifty stalls. They had about half that there last yesterday, and because Maham Point Shopping Centre, um, many of the outlets in there are closed. The shopping centre has given the farmers market access to use one of the car parks. OK, we've just lost Fiona there. But um, thank you, Fiona, for that. I was just wrapping it up. That's uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news report. But I'd bring you that um, report. She went, as she said, there to the farmer's market and in Man Point. And it's just to get a sample. We wanted to get a kind of a bit of a flavour of what the farmer's markets were going to be like. Because so many people have been missing the markets since the uh, lockdown. And, and I'm assuming today, Friday, there will be a lot more uh, farmer's markets opened, dotted, you know, right across the city and uh, county. Haven't got the greatest stay weather-wise now uh, today to be sure but we are encouraging people to go out and support the farmers uh, markets but here's here's uh, Fiona and how she got on yesterday in Mahon Point. It's lovely like it's nice to kind of just get out and about and like even all the smells all the food it's all really good so yeah just delighted to be out and like I think it's it's really well managed like I, I, I didn't have any cash in me so that was a bit of a concern I was like oh are they all going to take card payment and they are like some of them who don't have the the little devices you can pay on the website and stuff so they've kind of fully thought it all through I feel which is really good. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it has been tough. I think kind of like you know sticking inside and everything. But I'm just trying not to think of how long it's going on for, and just taking it day by day. And it's in the summer at least, so you know the nice weather makes a big difference. Rupert Hugh Jones. Well, we're delighted after a nine nine week break. It's been pretty stressful for everyone, so it's lovely to be back. So the shopping centre be very kind to give us lots of room, so we spread out between the plaza and the adjacent car park. Um, which means we can put a lot more space between the stalls. And then we've created a perimeter around the market with an entrance and an exit so we can control the number of people coming through. So the idea is if it gets too busy and we're unhappy, then we can shut it down let people pass on out before letting more people in. We have about half of the 50 here. We have 27 here today and we usually have 50. So there were some stalls that weren't ready to come back, some stalls that wanted, just felt uncomfortable, and then especially ones with older stall, stall holders that just didn't feel comfortable so you know gradually bit by bit we're, we were very happy though to have less stalls to start with so we can just build it up week by week and depending on how it goes all of our stalls are already inspected regularly by their own environmental health officer so uh, they all comply with all the regulations anyway in terms of masks it's down to the individual stall holder and what they're actually doing uh, some customers will feel more comfortable if stalls are wearing masks um, 
and everyone takes advice depending on what their stall is. I'm Michelle Cashman and this is Ballinrostig Organic Cheese. Oh, it's lovely, it's really nice to see everybody out again and you know just to start, well to start selling as well to be honest from our point of view. So it's, it's really nice though, yeah. Do you have any concerns about your own health? Well you take your normal protections and protections that everybody else is taking. So I'm doing an awful lot of hand washing. I have chlorine here that I'm washing down the, you know, the surfaces with. Um, yeah, I've got obviously the hand gel and all that. And then we're, we're social distancing. So, you know, it's just normal, logical steps that you take, you know. The fact that we're outside makes it much safer, of course, as well. It's lovely to see people able to get out and walk around and, you know, do something. Ah, uh, very good, yeah. It's something new, I suppose, yeah. It's nice to have it near us. It seems to be fairly spaced out, so we're happy enough. We were just excited to come, really, so nice day and everything, so. Jean Toomey. Old Millbank Smokehouse. Oh, delighted to be back and there's lovely atmosphere here and it's lovely to get out again. The market is fabulous really. Yes, very social. I took every precaution going. I mean, I have my sanitizer, etc, etc. So, no problem. Great, yeah, it's great to get out after being inside for so long and just to see more people. <laughs> I think the fact that we're outside in the air and everything, it should be fine, you know. Um, I, I suppose the fact that, you know, the older people, I would be, you know, I'd feel sorry for them because I'm sure that they probably feel that they're more vulnerable. But other than that, I think once you're healthy, you should be fine. Anna Hearn is my name and it's a Hearn's Organic Farm and we're from Middleton. And we are here at the market with since it started. It's great. It's such a beautiful morning meeting all our customers and it's, uh, it's, it's just such a positive place to be. It's great. We really missed the market, besides the financial uh, aspect of it, just missing the whole social aspect of the market. Because when you're at home on a farm, uh, that's it, like you, you're pretty much in isolation. <laughs> anyway, so like the market is a great outlet for us and we just love it. So the social aspect, I definitely missed it because everybody around here at the market on stalls and everybody, they're just super people. They're great. We're obviously taking all the, the precautions. I mean, you're, you're, you're so far across the counter from me here, you know, um, and, you know, all the social distancing. Uh, yeah, I mean, people are aware of it, uh, I think, a lot, you know, because it's in the shops everywhere. And um, they have, Rupert has it all set up here. So everybody, all the stalls are a good distance apart and there's plenty of um, space in the car park as well. So... You know, it's grand. All you need is space. Well done. That sounded like it was a great day for the first day back for the farmer's market. And that was farmer's market was the particular one at uh, Man Point. Interesting to hear what the storeholders talk about. I mean, obviously, they've missed the financial aspect of the the markets, but it's the social side and that missing of just meeting up with the other stallholders and meeting up with the customers and all that. And they did absolutely yesterday, they had a glorious day uh, for So all at the farmers markets back, they were included in the first phase of the government's roadmap for easing of restrictions. And as always, we're always encouraging people to shop local and you can't do better than supporting your local farmers market. Joe in uh, Bullock has been on to us uh, and wondering if we could give a shout out to this and see if anybody else noticed it. He wants to know, are there any reasons why he feels there's a lack of small birds around this year. He has a very large garden and he has not noticed any small birds. And normally at this time of the year, he'd be seeing a lot of small birds, in particular things like little blue tits. Not seeing any of them this year. He's wondering, have others noticed that? And is there a reason for it? 
So anyone who is big into bird watching, are you noticing a decline in the number of birds in your garden? Is it something that's, is it just Joe when he's out in the garden is just not out there at the right time and he's missing the birds? Because certainly I've noticed and others are commenting on the fact that the dawn chorus in the morning is louder than usual. And the reason we know is because a lot of it is drowned out normally by a lot of traffic. If you're in any kind of a built up area, normally it's the sound of cars humming in the background is what you're going to hear more than the dawn chorus. But because there's not as many people travelling to work, not as much vehicles out on the roads, the dawn chorus in the morning certainly is is very predominant at the moment and very loud. But I don't know uh, about small birds. So if anybody has noticed a decline of small birds... Uh, if anybody knows why, let us know because uh, Joe was interested. 1850 at 333-103. And I just want to give a word of warning on something that came in at the end of the programme yesterday and we didn't get a chance to mention it. One of our listeners contacted us to say that there had been a competition up on Facebook and it was for Kirby's Shoe Store in Balancolic. And this listener was absolutely thrilled because they had won a prize on this competition. And that then when she went to claim her prize, they'd looked for her bank details and she was trying to ring Kirby's uh, in Balancolic to find out what was going on. Well, we found out that they that particular Facebook page is a scam page and it is nothing to do with Kirby's Shoe Shop in Balancolic. It has been doing the rounds. I don't know for how long, but it's telling people, everybody who enters, it's telling them that they have won. It's a fake page and please never, ever give out your bank account details if for any kind of a competition that you might win on Facebook because you have no way of knowing for sure if that competition is genuine or not. But that particular one for Kirby's Shoe Shop, well, we actually only spoke to a couple of weeks ago. Remember they did a lovely piece with us when we had one of our listeners needed to get new shoes for two of her children. She was saying with the way her, their feet are growing, she didn't know how she was going to be able to measure the child's feet and Kirby's came on and were giving uh, great advice. But just to let you know, just ignore that if it comes up on your Facebook feed. It is a uh, scam. And talk and scams, the Gardaí, certainly on our crime file nearly every week, we have the Gardaí doing, telling us something about a scam that is going on. And uh, senior Gardaí are warning government officials that new COVID-19 restrictions are unenforceable. It seems there was an interdepartmental meeting and Gardaí voiced significant concerns over the vagueness of some of the regulations that they've been asked to police. And they've specifically raised issues with enforcing the new rules, preventing people from playing golf, or indeed tennis, but golf seems to be the one that's causing the biggest sticking point because you're only allowed to play golf if the golf course is five kilometres from your home. And certainly from when that was announced, we've been getting calls in about that saying, and who exactly is going to police that? And I I heard one government minister say it's five kilometres as the crow flies. I mean, what happens if you stop by the Gardaí? How can they work out if you are five kilometres, six kilometres, if you're 10 kilometres? It really does seem a very difficult one to police. Now, there are other concerns that since the further relaxation of the restrictions last Monday and it has resulted in more people returning to outdoor activities be it related to work or be it related to leisure and if the Gardaí are operating checkpoints they've, they're asking a lot of questions and they're really in kind of a bit of a, a grey area some of it is that under the regulation are you allowed to go to work and Gardaí have said the new rules they, well they've simply come out and said that they're unenforceable they're causing huge con- confusion for members of the force can I say they're causing huge confusion 
information from members of the public as well. And a senior source says that there are fears that policing the new rules was being left entirely to the Gardaí and that there was no onus being left on the golf golf courses themselves and since the social distancing restrictions were eased Gardaí have been forced to contact golf clubs. I don't know if this has happened here uh, across Cork or not but in some areas the Gardaí have rang up the local golf club and said to them will you please stop taking bookings from members who live further than five kilometres from the course. But then the Fianna Fáil leader Micheál Martin decided to get in on the act on this yesterday particularly with relation uh, to golf and he said people who live more than five kilometres from their local golf course should be allowed to travel there. Now he says I don't play golf myself but if you're saying you can play golf on the one hand but then saying you can't play golf if you happen to live six kilometres away from your golf course he says I think that kind of stuff we just need to refine maybe it needs to be a bit more nuanced in how we do things. I think the easiest way would have been when they when they decided that they would open up golf courses allow people who are members of that golf course and you could only golf where you are a member and then it would make a difference if you were five kilometres or eight kilometres away to me that would have been the fairest but anyway they're sticking with the five kilometre rule which is now putting the onus on the Gardaí to stop people at checkpoints and trying to work out should they be going to the golf course uh, or not officers say many of the regulations are in reality civic guidelines which are an issue for personal and social responsibility rather than being a subject of guard enforcement. And that's an interesting one. And then when we've been getting calls in here about groups of young people, one officer speaking to the Irish Independent today says that when you get a group of young people who have largely been housebound for the last couple of months and they're now starting to move outdoors, And of course, they've been told since Monday they can meet up in groups of four. But he said if you meet them and they're hanging out together, having a chat, standing in the street or maybe they're all sitting in a a public space in in a park. He said if we come across a group of teenagers and there's more than the four, the number that they're they're allowed and they're all talking together, uh, he said... Are we supposed to intervene immediately? Are we to warn them that they're in breach of the regulations? And this particular Gardaí said that the policy since the lockdown is to act in a way that is not seen as being heavy handed while ensuring where physically possible that social distancing guidelines are not being uh, breached. And senior officers, though, are calling on all of us, members of the public, to act responsibly, stick with the roadmap stop trying to find loopholes and they make the point if we all play our part for the next nine weeks that's uh, what it'll take us up to to get out of all of the different phases hopefully we will be in a much better place at the end of it and of course uh, oh and then what's interesting when people say where are the Gardaí like whenever we hear that there's groups of young people we'll constantly say I don't see any of the Gardaí going and, and moving them on but it's interesting if the Gardaí you know the, the, Light touch regulation. They're not. They're not trying to come down heavy-handed. And it is true. It is in reality civic guidelines rather than it being. Oh, I'm going to lock you up if you don't go home now. But latest figures from the Gardaí show that 241 times the regulations were breached between April 8th uh, when they came into effect and May the 16th, out of hundreds of thousands of interactions with the public. But the impact on public behaviour and the spread of the virus in the coming weeks does remain to be seen. But we all, we all have a role to play. It's up to all of us to abide by these guidelines that are being put in place and these restrictions that are being put in place and of course they're being put in place to protect us all. And then we had a statement in from the West Cork Islands Community Council 
to say that uh, and that the most up-to-date government directive regarding the offshore islands of Ireland is that only full-time residents and essential service providers should access the the islands and that's the way that it's been since the restrictions came in and that they're going to, and they're in place until the 10th of August after the 10th of August people are more than welcome to go out onto the islands but as of now we know and we've been hearing about this we were probably one of the first to put out the call to people before the lockdown started the islanders were asking people not to come out onto the island because they were fearful of bringing coronavirus onto the islands and you know we heard the arguments as to how much a much more vulnerable position somebody living on an offshore island would be if they needed to get medical aid as opposed to somebody who lives in a big urban area or lives in the middle of a city and has access to a hospital or access to a GP it's not the same if you're living off the island so they were they knew they didn't have COVID-19 on the islands and they were trying to keep it that way so they were saying to people please stay away. People didn't heed it at the start. Then the Taoiseach introduced rules and regulations and restrictions and said nobody allowed onto the island unless you are a permanent resident and that restriction still remains in uh, place. So this statement from the West Cork Islands Community Council said we appreciate that some visitors and some islanders may not agree with the aspects of the plan. However they say as a community council we agree to follow the government policy from the very early days of this crisis in order to remain maintain unity and to avoid confusion at a crucial time and we continue to endorse and support this aspect of the government's directive. Now, where there was room for interpretation he said we've worked with the, the statement says we've worked with everyone to achieve a compromise and the West Cork Islands Community Council they're a voluntary committee they don't have any policing or enforcement uh, powers uh, So, but they're just asking people please abide by these guidelines and uh, restrictions and they say that all of the islands look forward to seeing family and friends back on the islands when it's safe to do so but not for now just stay away for now and stay safe and when all of the restrictions have been lifted they will give you the biggest Cade meal of Alta ever 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Cork today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education see the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie Fon Sawalcha, Lassie 103. COVID needig on shut in air and agus kamwitz fanak sawalia kun witch fein agus de kayla a cousins. Anish na plan the kui came in a elm the high on tier usko de rish. Kadion tuxula de demi beltna, be dera le kupa shrienta a vian hanafein. Mata tu dolomon akliok de tevamwe, anish ta kyadaga fanavos gikt kui kilometer dembalia in naiga kilometer. Mata shivak fanak somalia on tamer fad no kakuning, be kyadaga dolomak last jit in kui kilometer, aktor aragon a rilka free social distancing. Bigi ulavner. Lahai Tilla Olish. 
Fondlin, RC 103. We've been discussing how and when our children will return to school on the programme this week, especially in light of a leading expert at the World Health Organisation saying it is time to reopen Irish schools and gradually bring the students back into the classroom. Now, Margaret, who is a local principal, has been listening and she joins us to share her views on the programme this morning. Good morning to you, Margaret. Good morning, Patricia. Now, you say teachers want to return to school, but you want to ensure it's done safely. What, what do you see are the biggest challenges facing the reopening of our schools? Well, I suppose, Patricia, from my point of view, I think that the schools we left on the 12th of March are very different places from what we will need to return to in September or whenever we return, based solely on the whole concept of social distancing. Because, I mean, many of the classrooms that we would have had would have over 30 children in them. And if you take into account social distancing, this certainly won't be possible come September. And just in my own case, I did a survey of one of our classrooms and I felt that somewhere between one third and half of the children is all that you would be able to accommodate if you were if you have to abide by social distancing, which seems to be the case. So, you know, I think maybe parents probably are aware of that. But what my worry is, is if those in authority are taking that into account when they're saying it's okay for children to go back to school, because whilst schools in Denmark and other countries have returned, if you look at those, um, you were talking about numbers of about somewhere under 10 in a classroom, which is not the type of classrooms we have here in Ireland. So it looks like that's what we will be going back to. So it's not a case of everybody going back together. And I think it has to be planned for really carefully to make sure that when we do go back, it's safe to be back and that nobody is going to get sick, be it a child or a parent or a grandparent or a member of staff because we've taken all the proper steps to make sure it really is safe to be in school. And when, you know, when you look to other countries, I mean, 17 other European countries have gone back in in the first phase. It hasn't led to any significant uh, increase in in infections. Do you take any comfort from that? I know I know what you, the point that you say our class sizes are, are bigger, but do you take any comfort from the fact that there hasn't been any increase in infection? Well, uh, what, what I'm saying is I presume the reason there hasn't been an increase in infection is because all reasonable steps have been put in place before the children went back to make sure that proper hygiene practices were in place, social distancing was in place, that everybody was upskilled and knew exactly what needed to be done before they went back. But my fear is, you know, this talk of open the schools in June, send the children back, you just can't do that without having the proper planning put into place. And, you know, the HSA are going into building sites at the moment. They're specifying the number of people that it's safe to have on site. That needs to be done in schools as well. And based on the size of classrooms, classroom sizes vary, depending whether it's an old or a new school. Like, there has to be a recommendation that for X amount of space, this is the amount of children you can have. And then, if you're taking back one-third or one-half of the children, a plan has to be put in place as well for the other children. Then, how is that going to impact on parents who are working? You know, there's yeah, a huge yeah. amount of planning. Could, you, could you split the day and have half in in the morning and half in in the afternoon, work a longer day? 
Well, I suppose there are la- there are lots of options that could be tr- you know that can be tried. It it is doable, but I mean, what I'm saying is that the unions, the Department of Education, the parents. Uh, the, I heard you with the lady from the parents' council on yesterday. On your lunch, yeah. Yeah, like you need to hear that what, what what I feel about this is the discussion at the moment seems to be dividing parents and teachers. And I think, you know, in schools, parents and teachers work together because at the end of the day, we all want the best for the children. And I think where this debate should focus on is the parents and and teachers and everybody who has the interests of children at heart looking and saying, you know, how is this going to work? What do we need to do to achieve it? And, you know, even from the point of view of funding, I would feel, you know, cleaning is going to be a very, very important. You mentioned there, maybe children going, one lot of children going in in the morning, another group going in in the afternoon. So obviously cleaning would have to take place. In between, yeah, yeah. So a lot of schools... The majority of primary schools are under-resourced in terms of funding for cleaning materials and, you know, even to source basic necessities, you know, what type of PPE do we need? Can we source soap as something we could soap as in short supply at the moment? Like, you need to be assured that, yes, you, you will have, first of all, you'll have the funding to buy it. Secondly, you'll have the funding to pick, because generally speaking in primary schools, the cleaners come in for an hour or two in the afternoon when everybody's gone home. That won't be sufficient. You know, if you have a change over midday, you'll need your cleaners in to make sure that everything is clean. And there'll be a cost factor there. Yeah, and that all yeah. has to be factored in. And also, you know, just in terms of, I was thinking of the infant classrooms where play is such a huge part of it. Children are sharing toys. To me, I don't think that's something that could happen. Again, just for the... Touch, children touching the same toys, you know, that kind of thing. So, like, my ideal situation would be where the HSA would go into schools and say, OK, yeah, this is the number you can have. This is the amount of PPE. Or, well, this is a guideline on the PPE that's needed. This would be costed. And schools could go to the departments and say, look, we need to top up on our um, care ancillary services grant for this year in order to fund this, it's a one-off grant. Then plan for school transport is another huge issue. 50 children come to school on the bus. That won't be possible, um, again, to practice social distancing. So what's going to happen there? And as I say, in terms of parents, okay, maybe your children are in school for five days, say a split week or a half a day or whatever. But what are you, if you're going back to work then... Yeah, you know yeah. you ju- how you you know the, it, I think myself is there's a huge amount of planning like I'm not and then and and while there is all this work that needs to be done what you know you're, you're highlighting and and you know I can see as a principal you've gone in and you looked at your own school and you're you're putting the worst case scenario of everything forward which which that's your job you need to do that to protect everyone. Is there any planning going on? Have Have you had phone calls from the department? Has anybody been in to take a look at your school? Has well, anybody asked you about your school? Well, I do know, yes, that CPSMA, which are the Catholic primary school managers, we, we'd be under the patronage of the, the Diocese of Cline. They did look for submissions a few weeks ago and IDPN also looked for feedback from principals, which I have submitted feedback to both of those and I know that they have prepared 
consultation documents which have been forwarded to the department and my understanding is that on the 12th of May consultations were were due to begin they are ongoing at the moment but obviously no guidelines have issued because 12th of May is only one week ago so the you know the, the plan hasn't been formulated as of yet the only plan that has been formulated is in relation to from Monday last the 18th of May teachers are being allowed to go back into school to collect materials that they need you know for continuing with online teaching from now until the summer and also to distribute books so guidelines have been issued on that but the guidelines as regards opening the schools haven't been um, issued as of yet and I suppose like Some questions in from listeners somebody says I worry about the junior inference they will find it very hard to adjust with no introduction day because normally they would be having an introduction day Probably in, 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 in June. In June, yeah, it, yeah. it would indeed. And I mean, it is something, I suppose, you worry about all the children, but you would you would worry about, as it, it's nice for the junior infants to come in when there's nobody else there and just see the classroom. Like, I don't know, but I would hope, because we normally would have it in June as well, my hope would be that depending how things are going, that maybe when it comes to August, and again, like we haven't got a definite date as to when we can open, but it would be nice if a bit like what the secondary schools do with the first years, that maybe the junior infants could come in when nobody else is there. Yeah, because it sounds like they're they're going into a very different school setting that they oh. that they would normally going into. And the other one that we constantly hear about, and I can see texts coming in on on this as well, saying, "Would you ever ask uh, Margaret, your principal, how does she feel about the sixth class pupils? Should they be allowed to even have one day, one last day at primary uh, school?" A lot of people really feeling for the sixth class to students and never got to say goodbye. And to be perfectly honest, my heart goes out to the sixth class, and I have been in contact with our six-class parents just this week um, because I suppose from a school point of view, the last day of the summer holidays is a big day for, and the build-up, you know, for six-class coming to the end of their, their school time. And I know in our schools, they, they children cycle to school on the, sixth, on the last day and it's a bit like the mother watching the little birds flying out of the net <laughs> like, as they all head off on their bikes, you know, it always brings a tear to my eyes yeah, and to all yeah. the teachers as well when, because you say, right, we've They've been there for eight years, most of them. Yeah. And, I mean, you, you do and you feel, you know, you, you're very close to them and you feel very proud that now they've flown the nest, they're going on to the next stage and I suppose it's all, I think every school would love to have them in but at the moment the advice we're giving is that we're not allowed to to have them. So I suppose what what most schools seem to be doing is they're trying to organise some type of celebration. It's not going to be the same. It could, you know, and and it's very sad, really. And I do feel very sorry for the sixth class and for their parents. And again, I suppose I would be very... you, You said there earlier that I was painting the worst case scenario my default position would be very optimistic in general mm. but I suppose somewhere I keep thinking maybe things are going to improve are they going to improve well enough between here and the end of June I feel possibly not but I think you know every school will make the best effort that they can 
to do something to honour the success. It will be different, I feel, okay. but it, it won't be ignored at the same time. And then time. overall, I mean, when and if schools do reopen in September, it'll be six months at that stage that uh, children will last have been in school. How do you believe that's going to affect uh, children, Margaret? Well, again, I'm not, I'm not a psychologist, so I, but I do feel, you know, that probably so. school is a very social place and I think, you know, it's now that that's really coming to the fore that, OK, the work and everything is terribly important. But I do think it's the daily interactions and particularly, you were speaking about it yourself earlier this week, particularly for children with special needs, you know, that needs the routine, need the, need the interaction. Like, it is going to be difficult and it is very difficult for parents at the moment because they're dealing with anxious children that, you know, their routine is gone. Parents are trying not to let their anxiety show, but I think children pick up on it. But I suppose what I would say is that teachers will be very mindful of, you know, the social and emotional needs of children, first of all, and will work tirelessly you know, to, to bring a normality to children when they return to school. Okay. And also from the academic point of view, like, to be perfectly honest, I would be more concerned about social and emotional than the educational. Than, than the academic they'll catch they, up on the they ac- academic. They okay. Yeah. Alright, listen, uh, Margaret, thank you for that and thank you for sharing your, your insight. It's good to get the insight from a principal's uh, point of view and stay safe and uh, thanks for joining us thanks, on the programme. Thanks very good, much, Patricia. Good Take morning care. to you. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. That's uh, Margaret, a principal in East Cork and actually today the country's top public health officials, Neffet, are meeting to discuss the possibility of lifting some COVID-19 uh, restrictions for children because they're accepting that it is potentially damaging to have children isolated from, from their peers. And also the good news is that the transmission rate among those under the age of 18 is also uh, very low. 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7 on C103. Pat's been on Sunday morning, Patricia. How many people died from uh, COVID-19 uh, yesterday? What were the figures? The figures for yesterday, 12 uh, more people bringing our death toll now to 1,583. And there were 76 new cases uh, confirmed, which is the fourth or fifth day, is it, that that number has been under uh, 100. Uh, so we definitely, the curve has definitely been flattened, but the better news is that we seem to be suppressing it in the community, but we need to keep it uh, that way. Okay, I need to take another break, as I say to you before go to news at uh, 11 um, keep your calls and texts coming 1850 you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education see the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie 
Incorrect information or fake news about COVID-19 can be harmful to all of us. False stories about potential treatments or new restrictions only create divisions and distrust. If fake news is shared, it can risk reducing the effectiveness of efforts made so far. It can have real and damaging consequences on all the work being done to stop the spread of the coronavirus. Before you press share, think, is it from a trusted source? Can you fact check the information with the World Health Organization? Is it a joke? Are other sites reporting this? What are their sources? Fake news is out there and it's everybody's job to check and question the information they receive before passing it on to someone else, no matter how well intended it is. Think before you share. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can I just get to some of your comments coming in, reacting to Margaret, the principal, who was putting forward um, the re- what needs to be done, she feels, in order to get the schools back up and running and get the children back into the classroom in uh, September. Jerry says, could the schools not go back earlier, like what they're planning to do in Scotland? Some are going back at the start of August. It would make sense. You would be able to trial everything during the month of August so that everything would be ready then for the full return to school in uh, September. Uh, I mean, they've been out of school since March. Could they not go back in August? I'm sure uh, teachers will straight away say to you, Jerry, they want aren't, and are entitled to their holidays. So I don't know if they will be rushed by teachers to say that they would go back during what would be the summer holidays. And then a listener says, Morning, Patricia, on the coronavirus and winter and a second wave. I was watching primetime last night and they were speaking about what an impact it will have on somebody who catches both the traditional flu and COVID-19. So many people pick up colds and flus, etc. throughout the winter months. And people then, will we be in a position we won't know, is it a common cold, is it the flu or is it COVID-19? My son, who is eight, half of his school class at one stage were missing over a period all at the same time, just the la- in the last winter. All of them were out sick with some kind of a cough, a cold, a flu, chest infection, and that type of an illness. What is going to happen? I'm so afraid thinking about it. And that's from a way. Cork uh, listener and it's one of the reasons why the Minister for Health Simon Harris has come out remember he came out was it this week or the back end of last week they're actually going to give the flu vaccine free of charge to children uh, be from two and up I mean they're going to do everything that they, that they can to try to prevent a flu outbreak in schools because that would be there would be the, the catch-22 where they would be, end up having to test children to see is it COVID-19 or is is it a flu? So they will be advising parents to certainly get their flu vaccine. The only thing I will say to you to try to allay your fee, fears in some, some way, the transmission rate among children under the age of 18 is very low. So just try and keep that in mind. And, and you know, listening to Margaret, everything that is going to be done in a school setting is certainly going to be done to make sure that everybody going back to school is going to be safe so just have have faith and trust in that and the good hand hygiene and you're going to have to work really hard on your son making sure he's washing his hands at all times and to try to instill that into children and making sure that they're not touching their eyes their nose or their mouth as well but please try not try not to worry about it somebody else says hi Patricia I live in an in an estate all the children are out playing and there's none of them social dis- distancing so if they're doing it while they're out to play why do we need to be worried about it when they get back into the classroom 
classroom setting. And someone else says, Hi Patricia, I have very rarely heard the teachers' unions to agree to anything regardless of it's good for children or not. Most psychologists agree that some sense of normality is best for children but they're constantly going against the grain. They have put a certain amount of work online. This is teachers have put a certain amount of work online for children and then their days are free. So why would they want to go back into the classroom to work when they're getting well paid for staying at home? I don't think they're giving any thought to the children or to their emotional state. And listening to Margaret, it wouldn't instil any confidence in me that they will be back in work in uh, September. Not, uh, Not... believing that the schools are going to be up and running in September. And on that emotional issue, I was even seeing Tanya Ward, who is the Chief Executive of the Children's Rights uh, Alliance. She's saying that the government really has to consider the impact of the school closures and the impact it's having on uh, children. Now she says their education is is of key importance and the sooner they get back into the classroom uh, the better but she's very much worried about their emotional uh, development and saying you know that this, there's going to be significant learning a gap but there are a whole range of families currently at breaking point. Some children are doing really well learning at home but then there's a whole cohort who are not and everybody's pointing to the emotional impact that this is having on uh, children. I think that is one of the reasons why uh, NEFET, the country's top public health officials, they're meeting today and there's one of the items on the agenda is the possibility of lifting some of the COVID-19 restrictions for children. They are acknowledging of the the potential damage that isolating children from their peers uh, can have. And obviously they're taking faith as well from the fact that the transmission among the under 18s is very low. So there's a meeting today and they're looking at ways of trying to ease the measures for children. So we will wait and see uh, what comes out of that. And I still go back to and I know Margaret said, oh, you can't compare like with like because all the schools in Europe, we have one of the biggest class sizes. Uh, but of the 22 countries in Europe, 17 of them went back to school on the first uh, phase. They've all reopened uh, successfully. Some of them went and actually they, they saw a return to the kindergarten sessions in the primary schools and just the final the Leaving Cert students, they were the only ones that went back, but there was no increase in transmission of coronavirus. So I think we can look to other countries as well. And I was looking at, it was either Korea or Singapore, I can't remember, or China, one of the uh, countries of the East, and they have all the children back in school. And they've got the all, I mean, I saw very, very crowded looking classrooms with way more than 30 children in it. But they had these perspex screens on all of the desks, you know, the front and the side, and each child sat at their own desk. So they, there was a protection as well. So I just think there's, we may need to think slightly outside of the box. I know everyone's harping on about the social distancing and the two metres, but if that's not possible, is there another way that we can do it? I mean, and go into, I think Margaret is right though, you know, every individual school is going to be different, but we need to look at all of the schools. I mean, do they have gyms? How many schools have large uh, gyms? Could they be used instead? Are there other rooms that could be used to, you know, so that we can have this two metre social distancing? And I would be interested for for Nefert to start speaking with other countries to see how they've managed in their classrooms, particularly with the social distancing uh, side of it. Because I certainly saw children return to school in 
was in Germany and they were all outside the gate and there was no social distancing going on. You know, teachers were out, you know, welcoming all, all of the children as well. That we Maybe we're putting too much emphasis on this two metre rule when it comes to the classroom uh, setting. Maybe that needs to be looked at again. But anyway, let's wait and see what comes out from the NEFIT meeting today because it's very much focusing on uh, children. And let's see what comes out from uh, that. 1850-333-103. People are also talking about the golf golf courses and this five kilometre rule that the Gardaí are even coming out and saying they're finding it very very hard to enforce and do Dineford need to look at that again and I mean even Micheál Martin the leader of Fianna Fáil is saying you know there's got to be tweaks on, and changes on, on that because you know if you're just six kilometres away from your golf course it seems crazy that you're not allowed uh, to go and according to a listener apparently in one golf course, not in this county no, it was in, in a neighbouring county the Gardaí went in to the local golf club and they went into the car park and they looked at everybody's car registration plates and they were able to check obviously with their handheld equipment, they were able to check where the car was registered to and then they were able to work out if the person was five kilometres from home or not and anyone that was over five kilometres from home was told to pack up their golf clubs and go home Goodness me. Goodness me. Um, Hi, Patricia. The issue of the five kilometres is ludicrous in view of the fact that we can all now meet in groups of four within a five kilometre distance. What wrong? What would be wrong with driving 20 kilometres to meet the same group of people? Social distancing is still being adhered to. So what is the uh, difference? Yeah, we were talking about this in the office as well and I, I was saying, I, I can see the logic of that. If you're allowed to go out and meet with a group of people, why does it have to be within five kilometres? You know, and you can get in your car and drive the five kilometres to meet people. Why can't you stay in your car and go on the extra few kilometres and go the 20 kilometres? And I suppose the theory on it is if we if we give them an inch, we'll take a mile. We saw, I mean, think back to before the more stricter restrictions came in. We saw what happened at our beaches and at our parks when we were being asked to social distance and people were just fine weather. Everybody was off. Everyone was on top of each other. So therefore the government had to come in and do something and had to put stricter restrictions in place. So I suppose if we said to Neffet, you know, why could you not just lift the five kilometres and let us all go 20? I suppose the theory would be that they're fearful that all of the beaches and all of the parks would absolutely be flooded with people because if you look to other countries as well that are easing uh, restrictions it certainly is happening lots of people are turning up at the same spot scenic spot good weather has a tendency to get people out and about and of course the advice is that if you go somewhere and you are planning on having a day trip uh, somewhere and you go and there's lots of people around the advice really is as hard as it is could you just turn around and wait and go another time uh, rather than everybody turning up at the one uh, time. Uh, Tim says photo golf golf club first tee is about five kilometres from the gate and the club is out of range for Carrick Tuchel and Glanthorne. Uh, A reduction in the so that's out for most people, I suppose, is the point that Tim is actually making. OK, and th- then Tim is also picking up on what a lot of people are picking up on was our first call this morning, which was from, let me go back to it again. It was from Joe in Ahabolic, who wanted to know, was there any reason why there was a lack of small birds 
in the garden this year. He says he's a very large garden and he's noticed this year as compared to other years no blue tits, no small birds and he is wondering why. Well can I tell you we've had a flood of people uh, um, uh, to uh, us um, including Tim who says um, I don't see a reduction in the number of small birds but I'm actually seeing a number uh, an increase in the number of medium birds they seem to know my timetable and they're waiting at specific times for their food, says uh, Tim. Mick Ingrena says, Hi Trish, all the small birds are still here, hence that dawn chorus that you were talking about. Maybe some of them are self-isolating though because of the virus and that's why Joe and Bullock isn't seeing them. Martin Infomoy says, All the small birds must be in my front and back garden. There are loads of them every morning. Brilliant to see them and absolutely brilliant to hear them. Uh, Eileen out on beautiful Bear Island says, I've seen an increase in small birds in my garden, especially an increase in the number of robins and the number of finches. And Stephanie says, OMG, the small birds are all over my garden, including little baby birds, says Stephanie, and it is wonderful to see. And then some of the WhatsApps in on this issue says, Patricia, tell... Tom here tell Joe maybe because he isn't feeding them because we're feeding them in our garden we feed them with nuts and I've actually seen an increase in the number of birds even the blue tits that he referenced very plentiful and and we we do live in the countryside these little fellows call there are some of these little fellows calling to the feeders up to 600 times a day I think it's absolutely fascinating they're wonderful to watch and if you could only hear what we hear from 5am in the morning no money can buy that for sure. Thank you for that, uh, Tom. And Nora Indramina says, I feed the birds all the time, right outside the door with peanuts and fat balls. I have lots of nesting box for them in the garden. I put feed in the nesting box as well. I have a huge amount of small birds calling to the garden and particularly the ones just outside the door where the peanuts uh, are. And then Mary says, hi Patricia, comment on Joe and his garden birds. I have a feeder and it's constantly busy. Does Joe have any cats in in the area in his garden or in a neighbouring garden as birds will stay away if there's a cat around. Swallows though according to Mary are in short supply this year as lots of migrating birds died. Oh I didn't know that. They were hit by high winds and bad weather over Greece last month. There's Mary a bird watcher and a lady in the know I didn't know that. So that would explain why swallows and some of the migrating birds are in uh, short supply. But many people including another uh, texture here in from who's this from saying hi um have to completely disagree with what Joe was saying. The We have lots of small birds in our garden and they're there all of the time. OK, so lots and lots of people are noticing that there are small birds. So thank you for that. There was a big, big reaction the minute I mentioned that. Somebody's asking about Ginger, the the King Charles pup. Uh, was he found? No, we haven't heard anything. I see. I'm delighted to see some of the local papers. I'll, I'll do a look through the local papers later on in the programme. Some of the local papers have picked up on the story as well and they've put a picture of the dog, which I think it's important to have a picture uh, as well. And Jenny's story, as they picked up in a lot of the papers and we'll keep our fingers crossed that that little dog is returned, especially the fact that her little son is autistic and he's just, he's deeply grieving because he wants to get Ginger, his uh, dog, back. And there was a listener on, uh, and we've been getting calls in about this I would say constantly all week and it's to do with the bingo Hi Patricia I'm wondering any news on when the bingo will be back especially the bingo in uh, Mallow I can tell you the bingo is due to come back 
but it's not unfortunately due to return until the 10th of August and when it does return it has to return with that social distancing but the 10th of August so you're going to have a bit of, of a wait which again is one of those things a lot of the bingo halls are big halls you know somebody pointed out a couple of weeks ago if there's a hundred it's one of the local bingos that would be a big crowd you could easily spread people out but unfortunately it's deemed one of those events with larger so it's deemed one of the events that has a large number of uh, people uh, so it's going to be the 10th of August and then when it does return it'll be slightly different because social distancing will have to be adhered to 1850 Sadie and John Paul taking your course text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Carers are required for home care services in Fomoy, Castle Lines and in the Connor area while the fresh food deli that's in Skibbereen they're recruiting production assistants it's to work in their busy commercial wholesale and kitchen part-time rigid truck driver is wanted uh, for hauling soil and stone it's in the Kinsale area and a skilled labourer is wanted to work in the North Cork area you do need to have a full driving licence you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103 Cork today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education see the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie it's time Due to COVID-19, cocooning is advised for all people over 70 years old. If a family member or friend is cocooning, here's some helpful advice. They should stay home and avoid face-to-face contact. Keep in touch by phone or online. Stay mobile by moving as much as possible. Go for a short walk while maintaining strict social distancing. Ask others to get shopping or medicine. Use the phone to contact their GP or other services. And remember, no visitors except for essential carers. It's time to stay at home. Stay home. This message is supported by Home Instead Senior Care. Their staff are fully equipped to ensure your loved one's safety in their own homes. See homeinstead.ie. For COVID-19 updates and information, stay listening to C103. Irish Hospice Foundation have this week published a survey of Irish people's attitudes around death and bereavement which shows the majority of people believe the current COVID-19 pandemic has made us rethink how we deal with dying, death and bereavement. Sharon Foley is the Chief Executive of the Irish Hospice Foundation and she joins me to discuss the survey. Good morning to Sharon. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Sharon, in what way do you believe this pandemic has made us rethink the way we are dealing with dying, death and bereavement? Well, we weren't surprised by the results at all because we can see that COVID-19 has touched every aspect of most people's lives. If you think about it, most of us know somebody who's been bereaved during this pandemic. All of us have been affected with social isolation and cocooning. And also COVID-19 has touched all the work of our government departments from Department of Transport, Environment, Health, Education. And we've been saying for many years that actually dying, death and bereavement is all part of our business because it affects all of us in different ways. And the work that the state provides and the supports the state provides, all of them have to be conscious of how dying, death and bereavement impacts on people's lives. And COVID-19 has thrown everything up in the air. All the things we would want for ourselves and for our family, the things that people tell us, being to die surrounded by your family, to be able to visit 
dignity and death, to be able to have choices around where your care is presented life, to be able to plan ahead, to be able to, to, to have a say around funerals, all of that has been thrown up in its head. And we hear the calls every day from people talking to us about how challenging some of that has. And I think there's a challenge for all of us to try and support people through dying, death and grievance at the moment. What effect is grieving in isolation having on families? In lots of ways, in lots of ways. So in, in the same survey, 89% of people said being together with extended family and friends is a key part of the grieving process. So by and large, everybody knows and recognises the value of the funeral, the coming together after. Part of this is all our culture and tradition, and all of that is part of what we normally do. Now, grief is a long journey. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And as all of you know, it, it doesn't just end with the funeral. So supporting somebody through grief and bereavement is a much longer journey. And we recognised very early on that people were challenged by funerals and by grieving in isolation. And on our own website, Hospice Foundation, you'll, you'll see a big button called Care and Inform. And in there is lots of resources and supports for people for grieving in these exceptional times. Ways to connect to the grief person. Ways, if you're bereaved, to keep the connection going with other people. Things you can do as a family. Things you can do with your friends. Things you can do to remember and honour the person who has died. There's lots of ways, and we're a very imaginative race. There's lots of ways that people come up with new ideas on how to support bereaved people. Yeah, and actually I've been online. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful resource. Do you have any idea on numbers that are accessing it? Um, I haven't got them. No. I should I should have researched that for you before, Patricia, but certainly it's in its thousands. Is it? What, yeah, it's, it's terrific. And what we're doing is trying to reach out through organisations we work with. So the funeral directors, in some counties, the death registrar is, is sending our grieving in exceptional times with the death certificates. Lots of people are using the, the resource, the materials, and that's what we want. That's what we as a national charity focusing on dying, death and bereavement, we want. We want to be there to try and support Irish people. And the, the, the huge piece for for anybody who's been bereaved is and the, the one tip I take from all of this is try to keep the connection with other loved ones going whether it's by phone or by WhatsApp or by Facebook keep talking keep communicating keep 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 engaging in what's happening around you and, and opening those lines of communication because that's the best way of supporting somebody who's been bereaved is by supporting through conversations and remembering the person who has died. Yeah, I think one of the toughest ones for a lot of people is the restrictions on the funerals. I mean, it's, you know, uh, people are coming to terms with the loss of a loved one and then there's very little support that traditionally we would be offering as a society around the funerals. Do you believe we, that the government maybe should be easing some of the restrictions on funerals? We do, and we've been in communication with Netflix, which is uh, deciding all of these things at the moment. We've been communicating with them and saying, now that we move post-crisis COVID, I think we're all beginning to realise that we're going to be living with COVID for a long time. But now we're moving past the crisis phase. Can we re-examine the restrictions around funerals? But not just those restrictions, also about visiting at end of life. We, we have a very strong belief that nobody should be dying alone without a loved one at their side. And we fully appreciate what's happening in the healthcare settings and the need to protect the staff and the visitors from COVID-19. We absolutely appreciate that. But still, we think it's just it's, it's too much to add to expect somebody to die alone without a loved one by their side. And that, we think, is something that families and they've said to us for years that no one should die, die alone. So we've also made that recommendation that people should, in, in so far as possible, facilitate it to visit at end of life, even if that means wearing the PPE and, and having some staff time set aside to help the relative put on PPE and take off PPE. But even more importantly, there needs to be very clear guidance to families on 
what visiting is allowed and if visiting is not allowed, how can you connect with your loved one, whether it's a phone or whether it's an email or whether it's a certain time of day. So to be very clear to families, because what causes the distress is actually the mixed messages. So you hear one thing here and you hear something somewhere else, is that there's some consistency in, in the hospital or the nursing home about um, about what visiting is allowed. We've also encouraged the government to relook at um, visiting in nursing homes because we think for people who are frail and elderly in a nursing home, it's very isolating to be on your own without any family members. So to really try, as far as possible, enable family visiting. And the, that is part of the roadmap, isn't it? Isn't that in one of the phases coming up that we're going to be allowed? People are going to be allowed uh, go visit in nursing it homes. Is, yeah. It is. It yeah. is. It is part part of that. And I suppose we're all we're all anxiously seeing are we getting out of the different phases. And we, we everyone appreciates the challenges faced by Nefford. Everyone appreciates that. And we're, we've all been an amazing country for coming together and supporting our health service. So I think we recognise that. But we also recognise the sacrifice for families as well. Not being able to visit your loved one, somebody dying on their own, they, they're huge sacrifices. Um, and if at all possible, I think we need to look and see what's the best thing we do. Because what we're all trying to get, what everyone is trying to achieve, is the most compassionate care at end of life. Yeah, and are, are you hearing, Sharon, from any families whose loved ones are, are dying alone without a family member? We are. We are hearing those stories, oh. and and yeah, and it's very, very hard. And it's it's the it's the piece of not just the, the dying alone; it's the connecting beforehand. It's it's being with them, and we we've developed a lot of resources for healthcare staff. It's on the same Care and Inform website because staff. This is not what staff wanted to do. The healthcare staff would always do their best. And we know that from our years of working in acute hospitals, healthcare staff will do the most they can to enable somebody to have family together. And you'll, you know, you'll, you'll hear stories from bringing in cups of tea and, and being, letting, letting the family have privacy and dignity at end of life. So it goes against the grain for them. And we've given lots of tips and supports on what they can do to support both families, but also to support those patients as well. Well done, well, well done. And I also noticed in your survey, uh, 55% of people say they struggle to know what to say to somebody uh, who is uh, bereaved. Um, and that doesn't surprise me. I think some people, we, we can get very awkward around bereavement and that fear of, oh, I'm going to say the wrong thing and avoiding people rather than connecting with them. What, what is your advice on that? I- I think the the advice is to say something. Even I'm thinking of you. I'm I'm I I feel for what's happening for you at the moment. Or this is very tough. Acknowledge the grief. Acknowledge the death. It's really important. I think what people find most hard is is silence and and people avoiding them or, or crossing the road. Is some of the stories that we hear. And we have to remember that for most people, grief, moving through grief and bereavement, that support comes from their family and their community and their friends. And that's where we need to make sure that there is enough language there that people can understand grief and can can support those who've been bereaved. Um, and that's that's the major support of grief in the community. Not everybody needs counsellors, not everyone needs specialist support, but they do need supportive communities and supportive families and friends. Okay. All right, listen, continue. Good luck. You're doing amazing work at the Irish Hospice Foundation. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Sharon Foley, who is the Chief Executive of the Irish Hospice uh, Foundation. If you go online, that care and inform uh, section, if you are looking for advice on helping somebody through a bereavement, uh, is excellent. And thank you to Pat O'Hara, who's just... um 
WhatsApp the programme to say, I heard you talking about bereavement over the past two weeks here in North Cork. I've recorded and edited a bereavement video file. Father Eugene Baker, parish priest in Butterwind, explains the five steps of bereavement and it's available to anyone. If you need more information on this, Pat can be contacted at 086 8528904. That's 086 8528904. Cork today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. COVID-19 is challenging for everyone. If you are studying or doing schoolwork at the moment, it's often hard to stay focused when working alone at home. This is normal. Taking regular breaks and rewarding yourself is key to staying motivated. Following the order of subjects as they appear on your usual school timetable may help. Another option may be to take a short break after what is the usual length of a class period in your school. Your school may be using technology to support your education at this time. Remember to check the school website and your email regularly for messages from your school. And of course, make time for things you enjoy, whether it's watching your favourite TV show or connecting with friends online. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie It's important to you to know where your food comes from. Isn't it just as important to know where your information comes from? It's not always easy to verify what you see, read or hear. But now there's help. Visit www.bemediasmart.ie Stop. Think. Check. Be Media Smart. Brought to you by Media Literacy Ireland. Supported by your local radio station. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 And text in from a listener following our piece on the Hospice uh, Foundation. Buried my mother uh, a week ago. Condolences to you. Uh, she wasn't good for a while, but I wasn't able to see her for the last two months before she passed away. It was so sad. The church was empty. Thank God my sister and her son were with her when she passed uh, away. So uh, and it wasn't she didn't die from from uh, the virus uh, but uh, we lost her and yeah, it's very difficult very very difficult for anybody going through bereavement at the moment thank you for that and hope you're doing uh, okay and may your lovely lovely mother uh, rest in peace 1850 103 on schools and going back to school uh, one listener Meg says I live between two towns both of these towns have very large halls like community halls they could be used for four, five, even six classrooms, it would free up the schools then for the juniors. So what we need to do is think outside of the box. If there isn't enough space in the class, inside in the school building itself, could you look to another building close by the schools and start having classes in other buildings outside of schools? And that, God knows that happens in when schools, I was thinking of the Patrician Academy in Mallow that had their fire and the building work that I think it's still ongoing, isn't it? Uh, it's been going on for ages, certainly for almost two years that the schools, the classes have been moved out to other parts of the town. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I think Meg's idea of thinking outside the box, uh, maybe that's something that's going to have to be done before we see the schools reopen in September. And then Breed is a teacher and she says, Patricia, why do some people think that teachers are giving out work to students and then they're free all day long? I'm a secondary school teacher and I'm giving out work every single day and then I'm correcting it every single day and I've been doing it since the 12th of March. I'm up some nights until one 
8.30am correcting it. I know it's a very challenging time for everyone, but can people please have a bit of respect for teachers and stop coming up with these notions. Thank you for reading out my text. Uh, so says Breed. Thank you for that, Breed. But you know, Breed, I accept there are some amazing teachers who are staying connected with their pupils and are doing lots of work with their pupils and we hear about them and we hear about people like your good self giving the work out, letting the students do it, then you're getting back in and you're correcting it and you're giving feedback. But equally, I would hear from parents who say exactly what that earlier texter says. An email comes on a Monday morning, the work is given out for the week and then that's it. We don't hear anything back at all. Some teachers are insisting the work goes back. I've heard from other parents to say I'm getting the children to do the work but the teacher doesn't even look for the work back. back. So you'll have some brilliant teachers. You sound like a fantastic teacher. You're very committed and you're working very hard. But other parents will say that they're not seeing teachers like you, unfortunately. But keep up your good work. You're doing fantastic. Long may long may you last as a teacher and may there be many, many other teachers like you as well. And hopefully the majority of teachers are working like that. But it's the minority, unfortunately, that may be lead, uh, leaving the profession down. 1850 We've got this week's Frontline feature with Fiona Corcoran. This is where Fiona is going out and spending time with various frontline workers. And to th- this week she has spent time with a healthcare assistant who works in a care home for the elderly. A lovely lady by the name of Maura O'Sullivan. She talks about the impact of not having visitors on elderly relatives and she recounts her own experience with coronavirus, which thankfully she has now recovered from. Even though we will do our utmost to help them and care for them and protect them, we're not their family at the end of the day, you know. We all need our family. We all need, I suppose, that little hug or that little, those extra words of comfort or, you know, to be able to speak about memories. or, And unfortunately, Steph can't provide that. Much and all as we try, we just can't provide the love that a family can give. And what about video calls? It's not the same. Like, you have two children yourself, Fiona. Like, if you could just look at your children and not hug them. It's awful, isn't it, to think of it, you know. I mean, right, we're all grown, grown adults and our parents are elderly, but we will always be their children. And the first person in life you want to hug is your own child. Moira O'Sullivan is a healthcare assistant in a care home for the elderly and sees firsthand the impact of COVID-19 on the elderly. PPE is now a major part of her job, which Moira says can be challenging. Number one, it's the length of time it actually takes to put on PPE and to make sure you have it on correctly. Um, then as well as that it's extremely warm when you're wearing all these you know different types of PP the glasses are getting fogged up masks are slipping down and you know you really can't put your hands up to pull them back up and it can be extremely uncomfortable to wear PP But despite all the precautions Moira still contracted the virus last March I started off with headache after that then it was back pain chest pain Um. You know, I was getting then started, my temperature went up. Then it was only then I started to get the cough and um, I was extremely ill from it for, I'd say, maybe four weeks. And it took me a good two weeks after that before I was fully recovered. And even now, you know, like I know I've been speaking with other of my colleagues who also got COVID. Um, 
your energy levels don't go back to normal even after six weeks. You know, it's it just kind of takes time, I suppose, for you to recover fully from it. Moira feels that the number of people who've recovered from COVID-19 should be highlighted more. All media is focusing on the amount of deaths every day. They're focusing on the amount of new cases. Whereas personally, I think they should be saying to people, look, right, we have, you know, these deaths and we have cases, but look at the amount of people that have actually recovered. There is a hell of a lot more people out there that have recovered from COVID. So I think, you know, people need to start focusing on that now. People start to get need to get a bit of hope because there's so much uncertainty out there. Like my attitude at this stage is, you know, give people a little bit of hope. Tell them the positive now as opposed to the negative. Like we've, we're months upon months listening to wash your hands, cough into your elbow. We all know that by now. But just give people a little bit of hope. Thank you. That was uh, Fiona on her frontline uh, diary for this week. And thank you to Maura O'Sullivan. And we recognise all of the healthcare assistants who are doing the most amazing work as we continue to get through this uh, pandemic. 1850 A listener in Bantry says, has anybody else noticed when they're purchasing eggs, what looks like Irish eggs may not actually be? Irish eggs. Uh, this listener says, I purchased these eggs last Saturday and the, the person sent on a picture and it says uh, the on the top of the egg box, it says quality local eggs, 10 morning fresh eggs. And you pick them up thinking, oh good, nice local eggs, I'll bring them home. On bringing them home, I, the sister says, I checked them. When I got home, I found they're from caged hens in the United Kingdom. Is this not misleading or false advertising? It's, it certainly is misleading advertising. I don't know if it's not false advertising because when you look carefully at clearly does state when you checked the eggs at home and that's where it's we all have to when we need to, and want to shop local and everybody wants to shop local and everybody wants to buy Irish how many times have we done interviews over the years saying to people a product that might look like it's Irish it could have shamrocks and shillelaghs all over it and then when you start to look at the small print you'll realise it's no more from Ireland than the man in the moon and they can get around it is it is it false advertising uh, yeah I mean legal they can do it they're allowed to do it what they're not allowed to do is uh, if they hadn't included the information that the eggs were for, for, from the United Kingdom and then you were able to prove that they were from the United Kingdom they would be breaching the law then but the fact that it is it's up to you to root around through that box and check those eggs to make sure that they are local eggs but is it, does it feel like false advertising yeah it, it does feel like false advertising but we do have to be very very careful if we are trying to keep as much money as we can in the Irish economy you you do need to check packaging to make sure that something that appears to be Irish is very much not Irish at all it's the reason that we have all those things like guaranteed Irish labels uh, it's the reason they were introduced just to make you 100% confident that, that an item you are buying but just on the egg issue because remember a few weeks ago we did a piece about there was a shortage of eggs and people thought it was to do with all the panic buying when the panic buying was going on with the toilet rolls and the pasta and the rice, the weirdest things we rushed out to buy at the start of COVID-19. And people thought, is there, is, are people rushing out and buying eggs? Now, there, there definitely has been an increase in the number of eggs people are purchasing. And that's got to do with a lot of people are home baking, which I think is terrific. And it also has to do with because restaurants are closed and because people are working from home 
more people are eating from home that would have been when they were at work might have gone out for lunch or you know wouldn't have been eating at home during the day so therefore there's more eggs being purchased and there's a lot more food but eggs is one of the one of the items that has been purchased but there was also the avian bird flu that hit uh, Monaghan and we get a lot of our eggs in this country are they're sent all over the country but they come from Monaghan and there was huge huge egg producing plants were wiped out uh, the hens unfortunately had to be um, euthanised uh, because of the avian bird flu and we knew at that stage when that happened it was about three weeks ago we were told that there was going to be a shortage for a little while and then obviously all the shops that had up to that point been getting their eggs from Monaghan they had to find new uh, suppliers there wasn't a lot of new suppliers in Ireland so many of them had to look overseas to the United Kingdom uh, to get eggs as well now I'm not saying that that's specifically the case with this shop I don't know if they were at one stage getting their eggs from Monaghan or not but yes it is up to all of us as individuals when you're buying something that states on it quality local you're thinking it's local it's not local you really do need to be looking at the small print Uh, thank you for your WhatsApp Uh, Mallow Post Office on the main Street in Mallow is closed. Uh, unfortunately, they have been flooded. There's a flooding in the building caused by a burst water pipe. Oh, God, the thought of it. So it's Mallow Post Office on the main street is closed until further notice. I don't know how long it's going to take uh, to get that sorted out, but closed for now. The Mallow Post Office on the main street. Thank you for people still contacting us about birds. Sheila in Mill Street says we've dozens of birds. We even have baby birds. Never seen so many as we're seeing this year. There's loads of them around. There's so many around that one of my neighbours is complaining. There's so much bird poo and it's all coming from the small uh, birds, says Sheila in uh, Mill Street. Margaret says I've only got a small garden, but there are so there were so many small birds in it the other night I had to come in while on the phone <laughs> because they were so loud and they were making so much noise actually I was talking to a friend of mine and I actually said are you in an aviary at the moment I said no I'm in the garden I said I really can't hear what you're saying with all the birds which is which is a terrific uh, sound and Martin in Mitchestown says there are a lot of magpies around this year now this is interesting he said there's so many magpies around this, this year because there's less scraps from supermarkets and restaurants so magpies have taken a lot of small birds they're sm- killing small birds all the thought of it Martin's actually seen them uh, pulling small birds out of the out of the nest of young robins oh absolutely hate uh, to think of that and so, someone else then when we were talking about feeding the birds says we shouldn't be feeding Mary now I'm open to correction on this but Mary says you're not meant to be feeding the birds at this time of year they're teaching their young to fend for themselves and to look for food so we shouldn't actually be feeding the birds and everybody says they're feeding the birds that's why so many of them are in their garden what to do 1850-333-103 a break and we've got news at 12 midday on the way Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. 
couple of texts in saying, uh, did they hear me say that the Mallow Post Office is uh, closed on the main street? Is it closed? Yes, it is closed. Unfortunately, they have had a burst pipe this morning and which has caused the building to flood. They're working on sorting it out. We've been in contact to see will they be open later on today. As of now, they don't know they're dealing with this uh, burst pipe. But just to let people know, because I'd be conscious that today is Friday. Busy, busy day uh, for the post office. That's on the main street the post office is closed until further notice if we get anything back on when if they are about to reopen today uh, we certainly will bring it uh, to you 1850 333 103 number of people commenting on picking up on the five kilometre restriction that we're all abiding by at the moment and will be abiding by until June isn't it before we can move to move outside the area and go 20 uh, kilometres John says the restrictions are not suited to people who live in rural areas. I have to travel well beyond 5k just to get to my local town, uh, says uh, John. And Michael and Bantry was on to say that Bantry Town buzzing this morning. Local markets, farmers markets are back. Delighted to hear that there's a lot of people around the town of Bantry but he says there are people who've come outside of the 5 kilometres to come to Bantry. All those people can't live within 5 kilometres of Bantry. But remember when you need to go shopping and if you want to go and shop at your local farmer's market and you stop by the Gardaí where are you going? I'm going to my local farmer's market it's on in Bantry this morning hence I'm going outside my five kilometres you are allowed to do that but Michael just wants to remind people and this is not just for Bantry this is anywhere when you're out and about shopping it's Friday traditionally shopping busy shopping day for all uh, towns and uh, cities please be mindful of social distancing when you're on the footpaths says uh, Michael he noticed some people who weren't adhering to uh, social distancing but uh, glad to hear and good to hear that the town is busy Um, that's what we need we need people back Back out the shops that have opened. We need to lend them as much support as we can, and especially the farmers uh, markets that are all back as and from Monday. And Claire says, Patricia, this five kilometre limit really needs to be extended, and it needs to be extended now. Those of us that are fortunate enough to live in the countryside can be more than five kilometres from everywhere. To say that we are therefore still only allowed out for essential reasons, and anyone that lives within a five k area of amenities is allowed out for anything else is ludicrous. We're adults at the end of the day. Would they not treat us as such? Most of us are sensible. Social distancing is the important issue, not keeping us all at home. By keeping us all at home, they're isolating us and we're all going mad, says Claire. <laughs> I don't know, a lot of people will will resonate with, with that thought passion from Claire. There are times in there where you just feel you're going stir crazy. Let us out, please. Let us out. No sign of them changing on that one, though, uh, Claire, because I know when they've been when Neffet and the government who will ultimately make the decision when they've been asked about, you know, easing of restrictions, it'll certainly the next three weeks up to, well, two weeks, we're a week into now, up to the 8th of June. They're not going to change anything. They're going to wait and see how we get on on this on phase one. The only thing that's Let's get a little bit of good news. From the 8th of June, if everything goes according to plan over this week, over, over this three weeks of a phase one, from the 8th of June, we will be allowed to travel up to 
20 kilometres away from her home as opposed to the five uh, kilometres that's been in place uh, since the 5th of May. So you have another two, little over two weeks, Claire, and you can go the 20k. I don't know if that's going to be of any use to you. And then after that, we still have the 20k on phase three. And then it is phase four, which is on the 20th of July and that seems an eternity away the plan is that we'll be able to travel outside of our region and beyond the 20 kilometre restriction which we're five for the rest of this week and the next two weeks and then it will go to uh, 20 but I absolutely sense your frustration and a lot of people a lot of people I think will identify with uh, Claire saying please treat us like like adults you know and I think Claire you're right as well in the point that you may when you make most of us are, sen- are sensible and that's the way it will always be. The majority of us will abide by the rules and they will always be the ones, you know, there's no vaccine for stupidity. But no matter what we do, no matter what rules and regulations we put in place, there will always be people who won't um, adhere to it. But for the vast majority of us, yeah, we are sensible adults and we know what to do and know not what to do, hopefully. Hang in there, Claire. hang in there. I hope you have a nice weekend. 1850 at 333-103. Oh, I want to get to the feeding of the birds because we still have people talking about the feeding of the birds. Let me just bring you uh, some of them. I feed the birds all year round, says one listener. Breed in Mill Street says, I worked with wildlife for a while. When you start feeding birds, the key is you need to feed, feed them all year round. By the way, they eat very little at this time of year and they do search for food as well particularly food near their habitats and that's when they start feeding their young but the key to it if you're feeding the birds you need to feed them all year round and actually lots of people are are picking up on that Um, Anne says we need to feed the birds because they're nesting and they need seeds that are not available yet until summer I have every sort of bird coming I have two blackbirds that only eat cat food dry cat food and if I don't have it out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they'll come and scream at me until I put it out for them. Have a good weekend. That's from Anne. Well done, Andy. You, you paint a lovely scene from your garden. Uh, Patricia, please tell Mary, it, it, she's, in a way she's right, but the whole thing is if you feed them all year round, then the young ones get to feed in, in the same way as the, as the adults. That's the key too, is you can't just start feeding and then uh, stop feeding it. And Janet says, the Royal Society for the, Perfection, for the Protection of Bees says, if you feed birds, then you need to feed them all year round. OK, thank you for that. Uh, good to get clarity on that. On schooling and teachers and going back to school and all of that. Tim and y'all. Regarding children returning to school, we need teachers to be more positive and to participate in planning and learning from other countries with regards to our children returning to school. A decision should be made by the Department of Education that the kids return to school either in June or not until September. I think that decision has been made though, Tim. I think the decision has been made any time they're asked, they're adamant that the children are not going to go back until September. I think there is a call by some people working with children, children's groups and some parents to bring them back earlier. But I think the decision is there that it's, you know, unless they change their minds. But as of now, it's not until September. Anyway, Tim says, be it September, at that stage, hopefully the virus will be well under control and bearing in mind that other countries have returned children to the classrooms as we speak. If teachers weren't in, oh no, this is going to cause, I'm warning teachers in advance, turn down your radio because you're not going to be happy with this. Tim and Yall says, if teachers weren't in receipt of full salaries while being out of work, 
rest assured they'd be eager to return to the classrooms themselves. Unfortunately, says Tim, we have 17, 18 and 19 year olds walking the streets today, all because a few te- teenagers expressed, pri- expressed stress prior to the Leaving Cert. They have no, there's no stress on those teens in Sutton, was there, yesterday when the guards had to be called to move them along or they certainly don't seem to have any stress when it comes to house parties says Tim Inyall uh, who's going to re-annoy a lot of teachers with his uh, comment. Thank you for your comment though Tim it's your opinion 0862 103 103 Also, oh this is another one that mightn't make teachers too happy but this is coming we have to hear from the parent side as well. We've heard from teachers in on several occasions that it is costing them to teach from home. Some of the teachers have said they've had to upgrade their Wi-Fi, etc. Well, can I tell you, says this mother, every parent needs to hear this and every, and every teacher needs to hear this. I have three children in three different schools. I paid at the beginning of the year the admin fee of 100 to 150 euro each per annum. These fees included the school costs of photocopying and printer ink, etc. Well, who's paying for it now? Am I paying for it on the double? It's the parents. All the worksheets that need to be printed since remote schooling came in is coming out of our pockets. As well as parents paying to operate Wi-Fi and bus tickets of €350 per child all gone to waste. Come on teachers, you're not badly off. The price of ink is absolutely crazy for the printers, says this mum. We paid the admin fees to the school. All those worksheets, particularly for homework, are sent by email. It's costing us, the parents. We've got the price of paper, the price of ink, we have had Wi-Fi costs and we won't get paid in full when we have the summer holidays off. I'm getting a bit tired of the violin strings being played by the teachers. I was laid off due to COVID-19. I'm now surviving on €350 a week, which is about half of what I need to earn to simply stay afloat. And now I've got the additional costs of paying for upgraded Wi-Fi, had to get a second laptop as the teenagers were fighting over it for the Zoom calls. And now I'm paying for ink for the printer and paper, despite having paid all of those admin costs to the school in September for three children. Parents here, says this mum, are the uh, victims. And actually, thank you. I haven't thought about the the admin costs, the voluntary contribution. Isn't that what it's called? Isn't that what it's... Now, I'm assuming when parents go back to school, Will there be a kind of a discount off next year's voluntary contributions? And as to the, and I'll get, I'll get John Paul to check this, as to the school bus ticket, I know Bus Aaron and Irish Rail were giving refunds on their tickets. I thought I heard somewhere that there was some kind of a refund on the school bus ticket, but I'll get John Paul to check it just to, to confirm it. If not a refund, at least money off your next ticket for when the kids go back in September. But you are right, homeschooling, does come with the cost and there's been no additional money sent to any parents to cover the cost of uh, homeschooling. So you, you are you are right uh, to bring that to our attention. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. And we've been doing our bit to try to share the stories of people with special needs, uh, be children and adults who are at home and who are really struggling. And we had that really heartfelt email in at the start of the week from a mother 
and a father talking about their adult daughter at home with them with special needs and talking about they feel like they are the forgotten people. Well, here's Breda sharing her story. She said, I'm a parent of a special needs son who is now full time at home at present, even though he does have part time he does have a part-time residential place but he's not been able to use it since the lockdown in March. Now I have been getting home support last week. I got two days and I got three days this week which is taking him out which is a little bit of help for him and for us. But my big issue now is my son needs incontinence pads. He needs them full-time and he's on four a day and I don't have enough of a supply for two months. It was due to arrive on the 28th of May, which is next week, and the company supplying them contacted me to say, could I wait until the 22nd of June to send the delivery? Now, I managed to get around them and they did send me on one box when I should be actually getting three. I just want to let other people know that they may be getting phone calls. Oh, please don't say that there's a delay in delivery on items like that. That's just, you're the first now to draw to our attention. We'll keep an eye on it. Has anybody else had a phone call asking people who are waiting on a delivery of uh, incontinence pads? And there was a time where people went to the HSE stores to collect them. Uh, but then they changed the they changed the way of delivery, didn't they? And they started bringing them, to, sending them to people's houses. Uh, elderly people now would be affected by this and um, and people with special needs children and, and adults but just to keep an eye out for that maybe Breathe, you've just been under I, I'm, I'm assuming there's different companies it's not all the one company is doing the delivery but expecting you to wait the bones of a month for delivery when you were running out is uh, I'm glad that you you stood your ground and managed to get one box which hopefully will uh, keep you going that seems a, a ludicrous situation when you're in a tricky enough situation as it is uh, my heart goes out to you 1850 Sadie and John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie And just a reminder that there are some GAA clubs involved in fundraising that's happening across this weekend. Kinsale GAA are involved in raising funds for Pieta House. You can go to their GoFundMe page on Kinsale GAA Run for Pieta using the number 4 for Pieta and Mallow GAA they are fundraising for three local charities Mallow Search and Rescue Society of St Vincent de Paul and the Autumn Assistance uh, Dogs and you can donate to them on their GoFundMe page which is Mallow GAA 19 kilometres in aid of COVID-19 Court today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education see the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor, Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. The agri-food sector and the food supply chain to the supermarket shelf are all open and fit for purpose within the context of taking the appropriate uh, measures where possible to prevent the spread of the virus. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Goals Post Calver Gold, a trusted partner for your peace of mind across the breeding season. Only on C103. 
today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, Shane Farrell, who became a household name as a leader in this year's Operation Transformation, has turned his love of music into a way of bringing thousands of people together during the COVID-19 crisis by setting up virtual singing sessions using the Zoom platform. To chat about his virtual choir and how it's raising money for a very special little girl, Shane Farrell joins me. Good afternoon to you, Shane. Good afternoon, Jay. How are you? I'm very well. Now, we know from Operation Transformation, you're a music teacher and you're also uh, a musical director for a number of musical societies, including the Ennis Musical Society. But how did you come up with the idea of this virtual choir? Um, I suppose, um, you know, the week the schools are closed, then all the choirs stop rehearsing, all the shows are shut down, you know. And after three, three or four days at home, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> this is not good. I, I need to be busy. I just saw, I watched the programme on OT. I was always go, go, go. So then I toyed with the idea of doing some online stuff. It started off very small, 15th into 100, into, into the 100, and now it's at 2,500 members. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess it, so people love to sing, and people are missing their choirs and their groups, you know. And it's, so you've got people there for, from all over the country? All over the world. We have hmm. people in Australia, in New York, everywhere. It's fantastic. It's really, really good. Explain how it works. So uh, I hold live sessions every Monday and Thursday uh, to Zoom, and I mute them all. So all they all they hear is me and see me, obviously, and they all have access to a folder. They download their music straight each week, and we rehearse the music on the Monday, Monday night. Then straight after the session, I'll email them all rehearsal tracks to practice during the week. Then Thursday night we do. So last night we had a revision session of that piece, and then they have until 4 p.m. each Friday email me on their recordings of that week and then I mix them all together and every Saturday 8pm on Facebook I release the weekly projects. So that's, at least they're working towards something each week, you know. Unreal. That is unreal. And how do you select the songs that you will perform? Um, I kind of mix up myself kind of all different genres and then sometimes I'll say, okay, give me a few ideas of what you'd like to do, even a genre what you'd like to do. Um, so this week we're doing something very lively uh, for a movie people will be um, will, will recognise very well. So, yeah, so it's, a, it's a good broad mix, you know. Do do the participants need to have musical experience? Not at all. We have people there who are, yes, big readers of music and instrumentalists, and we have some who have never sang before. And the main thing here is fun. And each session I get three volunteers to turn on their microphone to sing a solo for everyone to hear. And everyone is so supportive and encouraging. It's great. People are getting braver each week, so it's great. <laughs> I love the idea of that. And I'm assuming as well, people are making friends virtually online from it. Absolutely. They are virtual friends uh, through virtual voices of Shane. And the idea is, you know, when we get the go-ahead, we're going to come together without, without having done any practice in a group and we'll put on a concert with all the stuff we've learned online. So it, 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 could, it could go very well or it could fall apart. So if they've been using their tracks, it should be great. So watch this space. And obviously when you're saying you have people all over the world, I mean, I'm thinking of somebody in Australia, you know, might be in bed in the middle of the night. It could be the middle of the night when you're doing the live. What if they're not available or somebody's at work and not available for the live sessions? Yeah, so every session is uh, recorded as live as we go. And I upload every session into an, into, a, into the folder where they can watch back, play back at their own time. Actually, a lot are doing that at the moment. So even if they're, they're unsure, I'm pretty sure they can go back and say, oh, Shane revised that section last night. Yeah. I'll listen to that again. So it's all there, you know. That's really good. Well, that is really, really good. And tell me about little Saoirse Ruan uh, and how the choir is helping her out. Um, so I suppose, uh, like, there's no fee to join this group. It's, it's for fun, you know. And then I said, um, you know, to the group, would you like something for a charity or for some kind of cause? And they're all up to that. 
So I went looking online and I found um, Saoirse's story. And I recognised her face and I couldn't think how, but for a long story short, Saoirse was actually a member of at my stage school in Lochrane and I couldn't believe it, what she had gone through. So I contacted her mother and I explained what I wanted to do and she was all for it. And then I had to go pick a song and the perfect song I found was Sing. And Sing, it was written by uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Gary Barlow. Um, and the words are all about life and positivity and the, the tune is so beautiful. It, it, it includes children's voices, adults, um, instruments, everything. So that was a real perfect choice, including everybody. So then when we set to go with that, our typical weekly project, we a week to do it, a week to teach, a week to record, and 24 hours to mix. Um, so that was challenging. And then with that release, I uh, attached Sirius's GoFundMe link. And since that that went up, um, thousands of euros went for Sirius. So it's fantastic. That's brilliant. Just, just tell listeners uh, what has happened to Sirius Shishin. Um, Saoirse was diagnosed with a very rare um, cancerous tumour in her leg, which unfortunately she had to have her leg amputated. So poor girl has had a, a tough road. Um, she's currently going through her chemo session in Crumlin up every week. But her smile would melt, would melt your heart. If you look up her page, yeah. she loves singing, loves music. I mean, that alone for me was enough to go to, to support Saoirse, you know. And a lot, a lot of the money raised is towards prosthetics for her. Yeah. Yeah. and it's general future care for her because she has a long road ahead of her yeah but. bless her heart bless yeah. her and I'm going to play the song in a minute because it, it's stunning it really really is stunning and uh, we're obviously just going to play it out but I would encourage anyone to go online go onto YouTube and, and look at it because it's gorgeous and actually is it Saoirse's mother's at the start of it isn't it Saoirse's mother starts it Rosanna at the very start and Saoirse closes it as well yeah, yeah. and there's children you have your children's choir separately yeah, so some parents were asking would I do something for children, so I said, okay, I would. And then I was like, how can I do this? What's the simplest way to do this for kids? So I set up a YouTube channel. So every Wednesday at four o'clock, I do a kids' uh, session. And there's huge views on that each week. And they, they email me on some pictures and videos, just a fun stuff that they do each week. Of what we, so last week we did Disney's Frozen. Different yeah. team each week. So it's good, yeah. <laughs> well done, well done. And, and everybody loves the, loves the music from Frozen, uh, yeah. for sure. And tell us... Um, Weight loss, how was it going during lockdown? Yeah, good. Uh, I suppose the biggest challenge for me, you know, when OT finished was, you know, I, I got big into the gym and all classes stopped. Yeah. So I was like, oh, how am I going to keep this going now? You know, like I, I had a great personal journey on OT. Um, so if I can't go to the gym, the gym has to come to me. So I went out and I bought a treadmill, like a bike, I got some weights. So my music room is now music room slash classroom for online teaching slash gym. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well done, well done. Yeah, so it's going good. I've three and a half stone glass now. Have um, you? Because you, you ended up at just under three, wasn't it? Two, thirteen, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thirteen, yeah. So three and a half gone. I'll slow down hugely, but like uh, my, my body fat's come right down. My fitness has hugely improved. So um, I have to keep getting the scales down myself and I have to get my own surgery in Belgium. So it's going the right way. So I'm Okay, crossed, well yeah. done. Do, will, you, will you look back on it and think it was one of the greatest things you ever did going on OT? Oh, I'll never forget watching back the finale episode, actually, and it came out on my that OT saved Shane Farrell, and it, it absolutely did. And people only see snippets of OT, but the behind-the-scenes care and the, the support is phenomenal. And yeah. I wish people actually saw that, because they don't really think the show ends, and that's it. No, we're, we're well looked after. So it's, um, no, it, it, it's great. And as yeah. Dr. Eddie said in the show, to slow down, I didn't think he meant to be locked down. You know? no, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, you, well, and that was the one thing about your story, Shane, was the busyness of, of your life. Are you finding the slowdown and the lockdown? Are you finding, I mean, obviously what you're doing here is incredible, but are, are, you, are, are there times where you feel you're almost going stir crazy because you're locked in? 
Um, at the start, yes. But you know what? I've never been as busy. And it's great. I can be as busy, 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 but haven't cleaned the house. I haven't, left my, I haven't driven my car properly in I don't know how long. Um, <laughs> so no, I'm seeing so much more time with my family, with my kids, like Dr. Eddie asked. So it's a win-win for everybody here. Yeah, you know? it's great. It's it's great. And now I know how to, what's the right choices of food and exercise too. So no, it's been, a, it's been some journey this 2020 for me, you know. Really has. We'll all look back on 2020 and as as, yeah. a, as an incredible time for all of us. And when you would you have um, would you have had shows running when the lockdown came? And I had a show running that week, and we had one night done. Oh. I imagine um, if we go in the next night, and we were going to do a show, we were going to pack up all our instruments and stuff. It was I can't describe the atmosphere in the theatre that that night. It was so sad. That's gosh wrenching after all the time that goes into it. But you know, please God. After the 10th of August, who knows? Will you, will, yeah. you get, will you bring it back? Who knows? I mean, I, I don't think that'll happen straight away. I mean, uh, these shows, uh, you know, depend on um, audience tickets and how can you do show uh, an audience with social distancing? It's not, I know, not, uh, I know. Possible. But so as the thing goes, the show will go on and they will go on, just don't know when. Well you know? done, well done. Listen, we're going to play, um, we're going to finish off by playing um, out uh, with the song uh, Sing, for, right. Sing for Sing for Searsha and people can go on to YouTube to find it. Yeah, just look up Sting for Sarah to find us or find the Facebook page Virtual Voice of the Shane and you'll find all that stuff there with all the yeah. Virtual voice for Shane. Okay, listen, uh, it's fantastic. Keep up the great work, uh, Shane. Thanks and and thanks, thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, good afternoon you. to you. Bye bye.
Isn't that the sweetest little thing? And that's actually Saoirse herself singing on the end and the start uh, was her mother. And that's the virtual choir by uh, Shane Farrell. Sing for uh, Saoirse. That really is lovely. Uh, We wish everybody good luck. And they've got a number of Cork singers in that uh, virtual choir. Now, a quick look through the local papers. If you're going out to buy a, going on shopping today, don't forget, please, uh, to pick up a local paper. Some of the stories in this week's local papers in the Southern Star. They have a good news story, new jobs to be created at the West Cork Distilleries in Skibbereen. It is set to open newly expanded premises in Skibbereen, which will create new jobs and they're going to triple production capacity. And then a disturbing photograph of 23 buzzards which were found dead on land between Timaleague and Bandon in this week's uh, Southern Star. And it's a, a story about Cork McSherry, farmer and Munster Regional Chair of the IFA, Harold Kingston, talking about those buzzards that were uh, poised and he's making the he's making the point that buzzards are friends of farmers and they would have no reason to want to uh, mass kill them in that way and uh, Jackie Keogh also writes about Widdy Terminal is helping to store global oil reserves there's also a story uh, in the Southern Star of a call for donations the PPE gear has been made by the West Cork Women Against Violence uh, Project uh, Maria Mon- Holland is talking about the fact when they do when they get back to face to face consultations they will need PPE gear and we know the garden centres are open well the West Cork Garden Trail is again welcoming visitors and in the Vale Star they have a front page picture of Ginger that little dog that we spoke about yesterday Jenny Foley telling us about her son's Ashton's dog that was stolen there's actually a picture of uh, Ginger on the front page of the Vale Star as well uh, today and fingers crossed that that dog will return uh, safely Uh, and they also uh, remember Kilmalik um, remembers one of the big uh, they talk about Kilmalik seeing one of their biggest funerals even though it was all done through social distancing and it was to remember one of their own a retired firefighter and much loved local character Brendan Jacko Lewis is remembered on the front page of the Vale Star. In the Avenue, they have a story saying it's great to be back, say the local golfers. They say with the opening of the golf courses this week, they focus firmly on the domestic market and on the indigenous golfers, the bulk of whom broke out from their golfing cocooning and headed off to the fairways. And there's also a study of water quality on the front page of the Avenue. It has revealed a catalogue of incidents of contaminated supplies across the Avenue region. You can read more about that in this week's Avenue. And to the Cork uh, man, to the Corkman newspaper, manager of Cork Racecourse has said he believes it would be possible for racing to return to Mallow in July. And people were worried, were, were wondering about that because, of course, the Mallow Racecourse is currently the venue that's been used by the HSC for COVID 19 uh, testing. And of course, this week it's emerged that horse racing is to recommence behind closed doors on June the uh, 8th. And Cork Racecourse, I reckon they could be back up and running in uh, July and uh, congratulations to the Kappa rappers fresh from their victory in the Europe-wide School of Vision contest at the weekend the eco-rapping pupils and teachers of Kappa Bui National School have been tasked to create an anthem uh, which they're going to do next month they notched up more than 115,000 views for their One Small Change video on YouTube and the pupils who obviously have all been at home since the closure of the school schools have been commissioned by Creative Ireland to come up with a new song about young people being creative during the COVID-19 restrictions and there's a picture of the Kappa Bui 
pupils uh, climate change rap there's a there's a picture from the rap uh, making this week's uh, corkman just a sample it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. But of some of the stories in the local papers, please buy a local paper. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. The last few minutes that are left on the programme, I want to go out to Bear Island and catch up with Eileen, who we haven't spoken with in quite some time, who's cocooning on Bear Island. Good afternoon to you, Eileen. Hi, Patricia. I'm told you're blown away at the moment. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, it's not too. It's, I think it's calmed down a small bit. Yeah, there yeah, was very, my, um, very high winds my, yesterday. I was telling John Paul the cover from my vegetables. It was some it's a thing. My, my family got me an Aldi, and um, they sent they posted it down to me. Great. But it blew, it blew it last night. <laughs> so I was all morning looking for pieces of it, and <laughs> but eventually I think I have it. It's in the shed now, and I'll put it up again. And what, what, down. what is it? It's a cover. It's a cover for my vegetable plot. Oh, oh, almost like turning it into a mini little greenhouse. Yeah, that's what yeah, it was. Okay, yeah, right. it, it disappeared overnight. But I think I found most of it. I think I did anyway. And listen, we had flying trampolines and everything earlier, so so, yeah, so, yeah. so, so you were lucky. <laughs> now, how was, it, how was it? Firstly, on the downside, yeah, you lost a good friend. I did to cancer, yeah. Uh, and it was sad, you know, because, um, you know, when, when like you were talking earlier about funerals and that, like, and when you can't go to a funeral, when you can't, you know, see your last goodbye, kind of. Yeah. You know, it's kind of sad. It is, it is but, hard. Um, but, but yeah, I, I kind of, I was kind of down, you know, a little bit down. But, but I got out of that again. Okay. You talk yourself out of it. You do, you do, you do. And you know, I think it's, it's not being able to attend the funeral can be hard as well. It is hard. It yeah. is, yeah. yeah. You, you don't get the closure. Like I say, you, you, you can't let things like that get you down. You have to just keep going. Yeah. Because, um, like, you know, it, we, we have to keep going. We have no choice, you know. Now, how quiet is the island? Oh, it's very quiet. Is it? It's quiet. No, I go for a walk. No, like, I go for a walk. No, since the, those restrictions were lifted, like, I can go for a short walk. And I do early in the morning. Now, I go early, but you wouldn't meet anyone. Yeah. You know, which is grand. It suits me fine, you know, and where I live is lovely. It's quiet and I don't see anyone. The only one I see really is Gemma when she comes with the shopping um, and my nephew. And that's about it, really. Um, and normally at this time, because the weather's been fantastic, which has been which oh has been God, great. Normally, you would would the island be would start to get busy at this stage? Would it? Oh yeah! Oh my God! Yeah, it would be really busy. You now, from me, like from the Maybank holiday, usually it would be very busy because there'd be people coming all the time. No, I suppose it would mostly get busy maybe after exams finish. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but even up to like the bank holidays here, Patricia are always manic. Especially with the park run, you know, we used to have the park run every Saturday. And um, that that would be crazy, the long weekends, like you'd have anything nearly up to 180, 190 people at it. You Goodness know? me. Yeah. But people are abiding by the... the res- well, the here rule. they are, because Great. you have no choice, really, you know. You, 
you don't have any choice there. You know, the two pubs in the island are closed, the cafes are closed. So there's nowhere really else you can go, you know. Yeah. So you have to. But And anyway, the, the way I look at that, Patricia, is you'll always get people no matter where you are, that are not going to abide by it. And yeah. that they're there and they're not going to go away. They, they, that's always going to be there. So those of us who do buy, buy, buy the, the restrictions, you know, we get on with it. But the other side of it will always be there. And I know. think the powers that be know that. I think when they, they put in the restrictions, they, they knew. And, and I mean, there are people who just ignore them. Yeah. And yeah. there really isn't much you can do about it. Yeah, it, it, it's you can't really. I mean, what do you do? Arrest them? What do you do? I mean, mm. I don't know, but I don't know what you would do. But like I say, those of us who abide by it, we just get on with it and hope for the best. Now, it has changed the dynamic of the whole world, really. Yeah, COVID nineteen has, and it's. I suppose it'll be a, a long time before we could say, you know, that oh, we're back to back to normal. It was, you know, and and you know, for for maybe the people of my age. I don't know what our normal is going to be. Yeah, oh, well, until we yeah. get a vaccine, I think. Our, our, well, until a vaccine. It's, yeah, this until is our. This will be our and, new, and, our new normal. Well, and what are you missing the most? My family. Yeah. My son and my daughter. You know, I miss them terribly. I, I really do. The, the. Now we do. You know, we have video calls and things like that, but it's not the same because we, we, all my and my nieces and nephews as well because we're a very close family. Yeah. You know. And, you're, um, yeah, you're, you're very that. lucky. And my sister, my, my my beautiful sister, you know, yeah. I miss her as well. And I miss just, you know, I had um, my niece, she had a, a little boy there in October. And um, I miss, you know, he's growing up now and, and my little grandnephew and I miss seeing him yeah. and all that kind of, you know. And it, but it, you know and it won't like be long. Things. It won't be long. It, it will it come out. And my, my I'm, children, I'm, like in fairness to them, they're so good. Brilliant. I'm watching me. the clock. Unfortunately, I have to, oh, I have sorry, to get into sorry. another break. Yeah. No, my apologies. <laughs> I came to you too late. We'll come back to you again, though. I promise you. Stay Love safe and mind yourself. You, and great to and, talk and, to you. And and, and, and we will. Well. God bless. Bye. And we will talk again. That's Eileen out on Bear Island. I gotta go. Court today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. The Department of Rural and Community Development has launched a plan called Community Call to support the work of the people who are ensuring that the most vulnerable in our community are kept safe and well. Each local council has established a community response forum to coordinate COVID-19 related community supports. As part of this, each local authority has established a helpline that vulnerable people can phone if they are looking for basic services such as delivery of food or meals or transport for essential trips. If you want to volunteer, you can register with your local volunteer centre or sign up online at www.i-vol.ie Some volunteer roles will be directly related to the COVID-19 outbreak while others may be related to helping community organisations to keep normal services running. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie COVID-19 continues to impact on our day-to-day lives. We want to remind you of some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid any contact with people from outside of your household. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow all advice issued by the HSC and the government. 
This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103.